ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is March, and you know what that means. It's time for the biggest and the best tournament of the entire year. I can't even believe it's March 14th already. It shouldn't be called March blank. I'm not, I don't think I'm legally allowed to say the name of it, but hey, you know what? We might spit a couple in there just because I forget, and if that's the case, lock me up. You know what I mean, NCAA? Lock me up, all right? We're, talking, we're trying to promote your event here, all right? So let's talk about it. It's time. It shouldn't be called. It shouldn't even be called March Madness. Okay, it should be called uh, Spring Madness because by the time it's over, it's like April 10th, and that's when the national championship is. Kind of weird. All right, they maybe extended out a little bit too long. They extended all the way to April 10th, and then we're playing in a football stadium for the national championship. You know, I wish there were some things that we could change for this tournament, but yeah, who am I? Who am I to say what we should change and what we shouldn't change? As of right now. The 68 team bracket is my favorite part of the year. The first round, honestly, I enjoy watching the first round more than I watching uh, more than I enjoy watching like the first four teams play. To be honest with you, I, I love or the the fine the lack of trying to avoid saying the one word we all know it by or the the two words that we all know it by. The last four teams play. I, I enjoy the first round more than that. To be honest with you, just because it's I don't know. There's more volatility to volatility to it. You can go from one game to the next like seamlessly. You can start watching at like 9 a.m. and not stop watching till like 9 p.m. of just straight tournament college basketball. And almost all the games are going to be entertaining, except probably the one seed games aren't going to be that great. So they usually never are. Uh, we'll have like a scare in the first half. Uh, between one of these random one seed teams like Houston or something or, or Kansas or something where they get scared in the first half and then they just blow that team out in the second half. That, it, it feels like that's what happens every year. They get a little scare going in the first half. It's happened once, one upset, UMBC, everybody remembers against Virginia, but ever since then, and even before that, you know, they'll, they'll get a scare in the first half and then after the first half is over, then it's a complete blowout. But we're bound to have a couple upsets and almost certainly nobody, you know, it never fails. It never fails. I have a couple of uh, interesting picks, to be honest with you, for my uh, I'm I'm going I'm leaning a little bit more uh, leaning a little bit more upset heavy this year, to be honest with you, uh, because last year I got I got uh, I got busted up pretty good. Not too long. Last year for, uh, for in my bracket, I think it was uh, St. John's. Everybody remembers St. John's. Or uh, not St. John's, St. Peter's, is that right? St. Peter's, the the school, the 15 seed or whatever that went super far in the tournament. I think they were the one that really busted up my bracket last year, and it was like super early on. And after that, I was like, whatever. You pour so much time into it, into looking at this bracket, trying to be analytical, and you know what happens? St. Peter's doesn't care. They don't give it. They don't give a darn. They don't give a toot about your your stupid your 15 to two seed. They're gonna take you all the way to the Sweet 16 and then destroy everybody's bracket. And then we're bound to have that this year again. Maybe not a 15 seed. I didn't go that bold. I didn't see any of the 15 seeds where I was like, I can see them winning this. I, I don't really see. I don't really see any of those the 15 seeds this year pulling one off. But who knows? Could be crazy. Could be. It could happen again. We were saying that all last year as well. This is why it's great. This is why this time of year is incredible. I absolutely love this tournament. It's my probably my favorite um, all around, like like the week, I, I guess the four days before the first few games in this tournament are some of my favorite days in just sports in general because I really, like everybody that does this for the most part really has no idea what they're talking about, me included, but that's when you can really get to just dive into every one of these teams and just learn more about what, where they've been the last two months, uh, what they excel at, what they're good at, and be like, oh, I feel like I'm spotting value here where maybe nobody else is seeing value, that sort of thing. And I'm, I've been doing that a lot. And I, I can, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to be upfront with you right now, ladies and gentlemen, have not watched a lick of college basketball in probably three to four months, I would say. It's been a long time. I'll, I'll be honest with you. But here, here's the thing. Look, I haven't watched any college basketball in a long time. In three to four months. But these last four days, pouring, pouring my eyes into the analytical side of it. I've been looking at effective field goal percentage, two-point percentage, uh, two-point percentage against defense, uh, adjusted offensive percent, uh, adjusted offensive rating, adjusted defensive rating. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. No idea what any of these teams look like, uh, to be honest with you, on the court. But hey, from an analytical side, I think I got a decent amount of them down. And that's that's the glory of this. I could be completely wrong, but if I'm right, we'll never have to watch college basketball again until the tournament. And that will help me moving forward. So let's talk about it. By the way, last year, if you listen to this, is oh man, it, here's here's what I'll say to you. If you didn't listen to this version of this podcast last year for the for the the tournament preview last year, uh, please go back and listen to it because it is one of my. I'm going to explain something up front to you, and then if you go back and listen to it, I think you'll really 
understand what I'm talking about. So last year I tried to do a tournament preview of every single game, like of every single team of every single game that was coming up. Complete disaster. I never, ever want to do that again. That was probably uh, the most time I'd ever sunk into prep for a podcast. And I really don't think it was very good regardless. Uh, And another thing that you might notice when you listen, if you go back and listen to it, just the beginning of it, you might tell a little something. I might sound a little off my game just a tad. And that's because, so I recorded it at like 5.30, like last year, right before the tournament started, obviously. I recorded it. I was done. I was like, oh man, I don't know if I ever want to do that again because it was really, I mean, it was a it was it was a task, let me tell you. Um, but I recorded it and then I forgot to save it before closing out of my recording software. So then I had to record it all over again. And I think you can kind of hear that a little bit in my voice uh, with the actual pod, with the actual episode that's up. Because I, I think if I remember correctly, I sounded just defeated. And that was basically how how that night went, because I rec- I put like seven straight hours of just pouring like note taking and stuff like that uh, of each and every one of these basketball teams that I was going to pick. And then uh, I recorded it. I was like, oh, I'm finally done. And then I forgot to save the podcast. So I had to do it all over again. Not the note taking, but the recording part. And it was uh, it was brutal. I, I remember thinking, man, I never want to do that again. And that's why this year it's going to be a little bit different. I'm not going through every single matchup. I'll tell you my uh, my upset picks. And then we'll get into uh, my last four. My my I, I hate the the stupid copyright stuff that they have on this. My, um, my, my last four teams standing, if you will, however you want to phrase it, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. The, the FF, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, so we'll talk about that, but mainly we'll talk about upsets and where we, where I see the tournament kind of playing out and it's going to be all completely wrong. I mean, it's going to be completely wrong, but you know, we'll be entertaining along the way. I have some crazy wild picks and that's partially fun. You know, that's part of the fun, uh, in, in listening to this, I hope, and I just I have some some colossal upset picks that I think, you know, I've convinced myself to this point that will happen, you know, even though it might not. It probably won't. But I've convinced myself. I'm like, this is what's going to happen. I can I believe I believe that this is going to happen. You get to a point when you start picking your bracket as well that you're like, once you get down to the to, to the eight teams, you're like, this is a little chalky. So you go back and you're looking at it and you're like, no, this team could beat this team. No, but like, absolutely. And then you do that over and over again. And then you look at your bracket. You're like, yeah, this is diversified enough. Like I'm, I could get away with this for sure. Instead of it being like super chalky. That's kind of where I got to at this point. Uh, I was staring at, you know, analytical, you know, shot percentages way too long that I started convincing myself certain upsets that might or might not happen. I looked at one earlier today. Like I had, I think West Virginia beating Alabama. Like I picked that yesterday and then I came in this morning and I looked at it again. I was like, what am I doing there? Like in what world would I see that happening? And who knows? I could definitely regret what I just said in about a week's time when West Virginia somehow does beat Alabama. But you heard it here first. I mean, no, no. Even if I did end up not picking that, uh, by the way, you'll be able to hear all my, my picks and everything like that as well on hoops. We are going to have a morning show for hoops hysteria. Go check it out on cheeredmedia.com. It's going to be big, you know, make your own bracket, fill it out, make your picks. Got a chance to win some awesome prizes that we have uh, here from shared media. I'm doing this all offhand. So I don't have them in front of me. You can check out all the prizes though, over on cheeredmedia.com. We have a full bracket. And then once we get down to 16 teams, we have a 16 team bracket and then a 14 bracket as well. So make sure you check that out. I'm one of the VIPs quote unquote uh, for hoops is serious. So, Check that out. You can see my entire bracket that I have. It's probably going to change a little bit before we get into game time or into first game. Uh, but as of right now, when you can you can check out the bracket that I have uh, saved up there at the moment. And then we have a morning show Wednesday morning, and we're going to kind of preview a bunch of different games on there as well. So make sure you check out Hoops of Stereo over on SharedMedia.com. Okay, let's talk upsets. Let's talk upsets. We're just going to talk about the upsets. Then I'm going to get down to the uh, the last four teams that I think are going to make it all the way through. So. Uh, my upset picks, my Cinderella's, the teams that I think could possibly get there. Number one from the East Division, the East, is that what they call it? The East bracket, the East, or the South side of the bracket, not the East, the South side of the bracket. Number one on my Cinderella list, Furman, okay? I think they could beat Virginia, and I think they could beat San Diego State. That's who uh, I, I have San Diego State beating Charleston, but I think Furman could beat 
Uh, both of those teams, Furman, very effective down low, fifth best two-point percentage in the entire country over the last two months. They don't turn the ball over, only a 13.5% turnover rate and limit three-pointers at 30.3%, three-point percentage against. Uh, they're a solid team. They haven't lost since uh, February 15th to the Citadel. That's a that's an alarming loss, but they're 14-1 over their last 15 games. I think a very good team. Like I said, fifth and two-point percentage, they get to the line a ton, a free throw rate of 42.6. That's 16th in the country. Uh, they don't turn over the ball. They have a very good effective field goal percentage as well. Their defense, uh, a little something to be desired, to be honest with you, but I think they got a decent draw in Virginia, who's also not a very good offensive team, and uh, San Diego State, who is also not a very good uh, offensive team. They're also not uh, very fast as well. Their tempo, they're not a quick team, so I don't think they'll be rattled by these slow teams like uh, like Virginia or San Diego State, I don't. I think they'll be able to kind of hold their own when Virginia and San Diego State want to slow the game down to a crawl because they. I mean, they're not as slow as both San Diego State or Virginia, but I think they can handle uh, the game slowing down as much as it does. Um, and I think they'll be able to at times be able to go shot for shot with those teams. Um, but their defense, that's the problem. Not very good in terms of uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. I think they're 154th with a, with a 103.6. Offensive efficiency, 115.4. So pretty good offensive team. Um, so I think Furman could surprise a couple teams. It's not my favorite Cinderella. It's not my favorite pick. But I think with the draw that they got, I think they could surprise a couple people with, uh, with the teams that they're going up against between San Diego State. If San Diego State gets there. Uh, and then Virginia, I think they can beat Virginia in that opening round just because they have similar teams. Uh, and I just think Furman, if the game does get slowed down to a crawl, which is what Virginia loves to do, uh, I think Furman has the offensive firepower to kind of go blow for blow with uh, with Virginia in that scenario. And same thing with San Diego State. They That team loves to play defense and slow the game way down. Uh, and I just believe Furman's offensive ability might, should, could be able to uh, could stick with San Diego State in that situation and same with Virginia. But that's as far as I have them going because then they'll take on Alabama in the uh, in the 16-team section of the bracket. And I think Alabama, obviously, just too good. Too much firepower on the team uh, to take Furman over Alabama in that situation. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Maybe they advance past that. Alabama, I mean, they do lose to West Virginia, like I said earlier. And then, I mean, who knows? Bob's your uncle, Furman moving on to the, to the, to the eight-team bracket. I hate that I cannot say the names of this part of the bracket. It is bothering the hell out of me. Thanks, NCAA. I really appreciate it. You're really making it easy for me to promote your tournament. Um, okay, so yeah, I have Furman, one of my Cinderella teams. Like I said, I, I don't know how far they'll go. I think they run into a buzzsaw if they do get to uh, the 16-team part of the bracket against Alabama. I don't think Ladies and gentlemen, it that. is time uh, but for a break to hear from one San Diego of State our and, sponsors. And that, that is and right. Virginia. So, a sponsor of the program. We have our first sponsor on this program in the history of the program, and it is Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, I get it. You got to navigate the real estate market. It is impossible. Everybody on House Hunters makes it look super easy. They just go into three different houses and they pick the house they want. Boom, bang, boom. Episode's over. They have a house. It's not that easy, ladies and gentlemen. And Jack and Kathleen Wood will be able to help you throughout that process. And even the people in House Hunters, they have a real estate agent. And these people, Jack Wood, Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate could be your House Hunter-esque real estate agents. So if you're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate in the Sheridan area, these are the two people you should call Jack at 307-763-1249 and Kathleen at 307-461-7203. So listeners, one of the only things I'll ask from you is to support the people that support the show. And that includes these two, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship and make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs at 307-763-1249 and 307-461-7203. Moving on here, the next team that I have here as one of my favorite uh, upset picks, if you will, in the east portion of the bracket, I have Oral Roberts, uh, a fan favorite Cinderella team from two years ago. Uh, Max Aismas, he's back. He's a senior now. He was on that team that was the 15 seed back in 2020, 2021. He is a senior now. He lit up the tournament two seasons ago with Oral Roberts as a 15 seed, pulling off two upsets on their way to the uh, 16 team part of the bracket. And this team is way better than that team that got there uh, two years ago. They're 15 and 0 over their last two months. 
And they, uh, they've effectively blown out everybody that they played against. Not the most impressive resume, a lot of quadrant, uh, three and four wins, if you will. But, uh, still they basically did not have a single slip up in any of those games blowing teams out. I think the closest game they had was against, uh, St. Thomas back in early February, which is a quadrant three team that won 95 to 88. They did not play good defense in that game. They were just a defensive, uh, Defensive rating was a 123.5, and their offensive rating was insane, 131.2. So they still won that game, even though their defense was playing tremendously bad. Uh, and I think uh, I just believe in Max A. Smith. I think he's, he's back, and I think he wants to prove a point. Once again, I'm not going to be beaten by Oral Roberts this time. That's mainly why I picked them. Uh, they don't get much to the uh, they don't they don't get to the line very much, which is could end up being a problem, obviously. And uh, they they don't turn the ball over, which is good. They have a very good effective field goal percentage. They have a very good effective field goal percentage allowed, uh, a low effective field goal percentage allowed, obviously. Uh, but their free throw rate is something to be concerned about. They don't get to the line very much at all. Only twenty five point three times per game over the last two months or so. By the way, I'm taking uh, I'm using a lot of the stats from the last two months because in my mind, that's when you really start to see like the final product of a team as you're approaching the tournament. I don't want to go back all the way to November because I think there's still a lot of stuff that's being worked out. This is just, you know, in my opinion, I could be completely wrong with this analysis, obviously, uh, but I just think if over the last two months of a season, you really kind of get the idea of what a team's going to look like uh, come tournament time and, and the the type of schemes that they're running and what sort of defense they're playing and that sort of thing. So I think it's uh, I think it's better for me to look at it that way over the past two months. I'm very much a believer in the uh, riding the hot hand, if you will, into the tournament than uh, just picking, you know, the team that looks good, I guess, if, if that makes sense. And uh, the team that Oral Roberts is playing is Duke and Duke is one of the hottest teams in the country right now. They just won the ACC tournament. So, you know, I could be completely wrong on this as well. And it's a hot team against a hot team. But, I mean, Max Aismith, he's proved it to us already. Uh, two years ago in the tournament, he was fantastic, and now he's got a better team around him. He's got some gigantor playing center with him and Connor Vanover, who's a senior. Uh, Max Aismith is a senior, obviously. Isaac McBride is a junior as well. Just a bunch of uh, tournament experience on this team, and uh, I think they're going to be I think they're going to be a tough out, and I think they can get... Uh, they can uh, they can sneak up on Duke in this situation, and I think they can win this game, and I think they will win this first game, uh, and I, that's why I have them winning. And I think they actually go on to beat Tennessee as well. I don't know how many answers they will have. Um, Tennessee Tennessee is a fantastic defensive team, no doubt. Obviously, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country. But talking about the hot hand, uh, Tennessee is not that team right now. They've only won. Uh, they've gone one and two over their last two games. Uh, if you want to even extend that a little bit more, they're nine and seven since two months ago. They're still a fantastic defensive team, uh, but they're you know their their offense has not been clicking very well over the past two months. They lost to Missouri in the SEC and uh, the SEC tournament, which is you know no uh, no hatred towards Missouri. They're still a very good team as well. But in my mind, a team that ten- a game that Tennessee should win uh, against Missouri in the SEC tournament. But they also lost to Auburn before the tournament and. Uh, Texas A&M, who's also a good team. SEC's loaded, so any of these teams that I say, I mean, it's not like it's a head-scratcher, but also, I mean, Vanderbilt at the start of February, so, you know, Tennessee, still a good team. They're also dealing with an injury as well from uh, Zakai Ziegler, who was their point guard. He tore his ECL. He's not going to be back for the tournament. They've been one and two since they lost their point guard, uh, Zakai Ziegler, and they're going up up against arguably the best pure team. Well, that's probably a stretch. One of the better scoring point guards in the country in Max Aismas. Um, So, you know, having losing your point guard in that situation with one of the best uh, point guards in in the game right now being your your next opponent. Not not a great situation. Uh, That's even if they get out of the first round, by the way. I don't know. I mean, they could lose to uh, Louisiana as well. That's entirely possible. Tennessee could lose to Louisiana in the first round as well. But. Tennessee moves on. Oral Roberts moves on. I actually like Oral Roberts a little bit, uh, a little bit over Tennessee just because of that missing piece that they have up top and Max A. Smith's matching up well against the bench guy that they'll have uh, in Tennessee. But then again, Tennessee, fantastic defensive squad. They could shut down Max A. Smith and Oral Oral Roberts really does not have a lot of answers after Max A. Smith. Um, So we'll see what they do. I have them. I do have them beating Tennessee, but then they run into Purdue and Purdue's got one of the best players in the country in, uh, in uh, Zach Eady, who is probably going to win Player of the Year at center, and he's another seven foot four guy, gigantor, and uh, I think he'll be able to slow down Max, Max Aismas, a team that uh, and Oral Roberts that loves to drive down low and score in the paint. I think that will be a problem with Zach Eady, obviously, and then uh, Zach Eady is probably, in my opinion, uh, going to play better than um, Connor Vanover 
for Oral Roberts. So, who is their seven foot three center? So I, I take Edie in that matchup, obviously over uh, over what Oral Roberts has, but still a good run for Oral Roberts. If that if that's what happens, I think that's a I think that's a pretty good a pretty good run for them, and uh, I think they'd be very proud of getting to that sixteen team bracket. We'll see though; they could lose out in the first round. Who knows? It's March. It is craziness, not not the M word. It's March craziness because I can't say the other two together. Welcome to broadcasting with. Uh, the NCAA breathing down your neck. Uh, all right, we'll move on here. Let's move on. So I have two darlings. These are my two darlings. Okay, uh, one I've actually started. I, I, I wrote this down. One darling down more than the other, but I've actually flipped a little bit to be honest with you. Uh, my first darling, then I have my my second ultimate Cinderella, the team that I think could make it very far in this tournament, is Drake. Not the singer, <laughs> not the singer, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's a school. It's a school. If you can believe that, yeah, Drake. From the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, a good team, another solid uh, scoring team. I, I'm leaning a little bit heavily more into offense than I am defense, even though this is a good team on both sides of the ball. They have a good uh, adjusted offensive efficiency and a good adjusted defensive efficiency as well. They're a fantastic three-point shooting team, which is obviously something you look for uh, uh, with teams that can kind of make these runs. They're shooting 39.5% from the field. That's 17th best in the country over the last two months. They're a good defensive team down low. Uh, they don't fin- defend the three that good, but you know, uh, marginally well enough. Um, and they're a good defensive rebounding team, so they don't give up a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, and they don't foul too much either, giving up a 25.6 free throw rating, uh, which is 36th in the country. Not the highest, but still not terrible either. They don't turn over the ball very much. The only thing is they don't get offensive rebounds. They're a team that gets back a lot. They don't even really attempt to try to get offensive rebounds. And they also don't get to the line very much over the past two months. That's what we've seen over the past two months. Not to mention, they also got, I think, in my opinion, a very, very, very a uh, good draw from the committee and uh, from the committee in terms of who they're matching up with. Their first game against Miami, they're a twelve. It's a five twelve five matchup, which we all love picking the twelve five upset. Everybody does. It's kind of one of those things that we look at. We're like, yep, okay, that's an upset. This game, I think Drake is actually. They're not. I don't think they're going to be favored or anything. But Miami did just lose uh, one of their best players in Norchad O'Meara. Uh, he got hurt. He left the ACC tournament semifinal in the early going, suffering a right ankle injury and that could uh that could cause problems he might not even be back for this first game and if he's not back for this first game that would be a big loss for miami uh and without norchad or mir i think drake could win I, I think they can win this game uh and i think they should win this game if miami's not able to bring out norchad or mir uh out of uh out of injury and uh, miami who's you know a decent team. They're a good offensive team, not a great defensive team. Looking at the statistics, they give up a lot. Uh, a very high effective uh, field goal percentage uh, against five, 53.8% field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage against, which is 302nd in the country. Uh, and then they also give up a lot of two pointers, uh, two point percentages, a uh, high two point percentage as well, 54.5%, which is 321st in the country. They also give up a lot of three pointers as well, 350. Or 35.2% three-point percentage against, uh, which is 218th. And I think that's a good matchup for for Drake. And that's with Norm Chad or Ormir as well for Miami. And so without him, who knows what it's going to turn into. Uh, they could still light it up offensively. But I think that uh, Drake, uh, with their offense as well, I think they should be able to hang with Miami. And their defense has played a little bit better. Granted, not the same competition, obviously. But... Um, still but playing effectively uh, in terms of the adjusted metrics as well. So I, I think that Drake should be able to hang with uh, with Miami and with the injury to Norchad O'Meara. Uh, that's a big injury for Miami, and that could cause problems. They run into Indiana in my bracket because of that, uh, and there's a lot of upset picks picking Kent State over Indiana as well, which could lead to a uh, 12-13 matchup, which would be glorious. I'd love to see that. That would I'd love chaos. Let's see a 12-13 matchup in the round of 32. I'd be totally down with that. Uh and then uh but in my opinion, I think Indiana beats Kent State so they move on. They play Drake and I have Drake in that game as well. I think Indiana is a solid team, but uh they they lean pretty heavily on their their all-American Trace Jackson Davis uh and I think Drake should be able to take advantage of the some of the areas that uh, that in that uh, that Indiana is not great at. They're not a great defensive round, rebounding team, and they're not a great turnover uh, against team. They're not great at forcing turnovers. Uh, they also just lost to Penn State in the first round of the Big Ten Championship, seventy-seven to seventy-three. They haven't been great in their past six games. It looks like it looks like they're three and three over their past six games, dating back to February twenty-first. 
So a little bit colder coming in. You're seeing, I mean, I, I get that you're sensing a uh, a pattern from me. I, I love to ride the hot hand, obviously. Uh, differences in matchups, obviously. Drake not playing the same level of competition that Indiana is. And even Drake has a loss to Bradley, which was uh, back on February 26th, where they lost 73-61. But then Drake took on Bradley again in the Missouri Valley Conference Championship game, and they dominated Bradley 77-51 to in that game. So, uh you know, he's just whatever you believe in. And I believe that Drake can beat Indiana. And I think they will beat Indiana if they get to this point. I think they can. I think they match up relatively well with Indiana. If they're able to shut down uh, Trace uh, Trace Jackson Davis, the first team All-American. So a lot easier said than done. They are a very top-heavy team, though, uh, in terms of usage, in terms of the advanced analytics. Trace Jackson Davis does a lot for that Indiana team. Um, and if they're able to slow him down, then... I think uh, I think Drake can take advantage of that very and then some, if you will. Uh, so we'll see what Drake can do. But this is where it gets very interesting for me. I haven't picked this on my well, actually, I have picked this, but I think this is where it gets very interesting. So Drake moves on. I have Houston moving all moving all the way on to this point as well, the one seed in this side of the bracket, and I actually have Drake, the singer, and the school beating Houston in this matchup. So here's the thing about Houston, Houston. Uh, one of the best teams in the country. Obviously, they've been year in, year out, one of the top teams in the nation. Uh, I think they've been one to the one or the two seed the last four seasons in a row or something ridiculous like that. But Houston did get some uh, not great injury news from uh, from from this past weekend. Uh, Marcus Sasser, their go-to guy, one of the best players in the entire country. Uh, he is their point guard. He is their go-to guy. Uh, he's their leader in usage rate and basically every statistic you can find. Uh, he had a, gro- a groin strain during the AAC tournament, and uh, that could cause problems. It's arguably the biggest injury affecting the entire tournament. He's a senior from Dallas. He leads the team in scoring, three-point makes, second in steals. Uh, he will undoubtedly attempt to probably play in this tournament, I would imagine, uh, but I, it is to be seen how dynamic he can actually be on either side of the court. Uh, if he is, you know, struggling to play on that groin strain, it'll probably be it'll probably his limit ability limit his ability to spot up shoot as well, which is something that he likes to do. Uh, and he could end up playing early minutes, uh, you know, or not uh, limited minutes early in the tournament as well. So this could be a huge in- injury for Houston. They have a bunch of other guys on their team that are also up there. I mean, you don't become one of the best teams in the country by just having Marcus Sasser uh, as your leading guy, but they have Jamal Sheed, Jamal Sheed, Juwan Roberts also who are up there in usage and uh, in, in effectiveness as well. Uh, Jerace Walker, who's also pretty good, but Marcus Sasser has been the guy for this team throughout the entire season, uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, and I mean, if, if he's, if he's half of what he normally is on the court, then I think that leaves a, a pretty big opening for Drake to try to take advantage of. And I think in that situation, they can't take advantage of it. I mean, they're, like I said, a great three-point shooting team that's hard to compete against. Uh, Houston is, and as I said earlier, a, a team that loves to slow the game down. They love, love to slow the game down. They're one of the slowest teams in the country, a 63.6 adjusted tempo, which is 339th in the country. Uh, and I think if Drake is able to maybe take advantage of the fact that if Houston does not have Marcus Sasser, if Marcus Sasser is on the floor uh, and he is playing injured, then maybe play a quicker game. And that could cause Houston to try to play catch up, which they're not necessarily good at because they're a slow team. And that's not something that slow teams that are uh, not good with their tempo uh, are very effective at, at catching up. They're used to playing out front and then slowing the game way down to avoid the other team from trying to catch up. And if Drake is able to, uh, take advantage of the injury from to Marcus Sasser, play the game that they want to, you know, play it a little bit faster. Uh, I think we could see Houston have some problems with uh, with Drake in the 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 uh, I guess this is the sweet or excuse me, the round of 16 table. Uh, I think they can have problems. So I have Drake moving on in that scenario against Houston. If Marcus Sasser is not fully himself, if he's not even playing, then I think Drake could uh, take advantage of that. So that's where I have Drake going. I think Drake gets to the. Uh, to the to the round of eight, but then I think they lose to Texas. I think Texas is probably probably a little bit better than Drake, just all around. Uh, they're not as good as a three pointing uh, as good of a three point shooting team, but I think Texas all the way around is a little bit better. And I think this is this is usually once you get to the round of eight, uh, usually when you start seeing the Cinderellas kind of drop out left and right, uh, even if it is a close game, it's usually you know the better teams that end up making it this far and further um, in, in, when it comes to Cinderellas. But with that being said. I could be contradicting myself here. I'm, I probably will contradict myself here. Drake 
my second favorite Cinderella. That's not even my favorite, ladies and gentlemen. I have a favorite Cinderella here. My number one Cinderella team are the VCU Rams. This is, uh, this is another team that I think benefited pretty well from the drawing that they got. They're going up first against St. Mary's, another uh, VCU, another 12 seed. You guys can tell you're getting, a, you're getting a hang of it. All right. Yes, I love my 12-5 upsets, but I think VCU, uh, a very good team, very, very, very good effect uh, defensively, a 92.0 effect uh, adjusted defensive uh, efficiency, which is sixth in the entire country. They're not... Let me preface this. Not great offensively. They've turned it on a little bit in the last two games, uh, dominating St. Louis and dominating Dayton uh, with their adjusted uh, offensive efficiency. They lost to Dayton earlier this season on February 7th. And then they and then in the in the Atlantic 10 championship game, Dayton uh, was no no match for VCU. VCU, again, very good defensively. They're good at uh, handling effective field goal percentage, 45.4 effective field goal percentage against, which is ninth in the country. They love to turn the ball over against teams, 17th best in turnover rate with a 22.3 turnover rate. Uh, they get to the line quite a bit, 36.4 free throw rate. Uh, they they shoot the ball decently inside, a 53.6% field goal percentage inside the arc, and they play defense against the three and the two well. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is a team. The only trouble that I think they really could run in with one, they're not going to be good in a track meet. They can't let the other team score a lot of points, which is something they've been, I mean, relatively good at the last few weeks. Obviously not the same level of competition, except for the first team they're playing, St. Mary's, other than Gonzaga, which is a team that St. Mary's plays every single year. That's the only team that they can really compare with and, or, you know, say they have a, a, a leg up on when it comes to VCU in terms of competition. St. Mary's also not playing uh, the most effective competition and Gonzaga or in St. Mary's has beat Gonzaga once, uh, except uh, maybe twice. I think it was, I think it's twice. Um, but the last two times they played, uh, Gonzaga beat them, uh, at the end of the season on the road or yeah, St. Mary's went on the road. So Gonzaga was at home. They won that game. Uh, and then Gonzaga in a neutral site game, obviously for the West coast conference tournament, uh, Gonzaga rolled St. Mary's in that game. So, uh, you know, I think that VCU coming in probably a little bit more hot handed, uh, they haven't lost. VCU hasn't lost since February 7th. Uh, so basically a month ago, a month and a half ago, and the team that they lost to, they dominated in the uh, in the Atlantic 10 tournament. So I, I said that earlier. So uh, a team that I think, you know, defensively, that's something you're always looking for uh, in the tournament, a team that can handle other teams defensively. Uh, and St. Mary's is a team that also loves to slow the game way, way down. Uh, and VCU is not necessarily, I mean, they can, they, they, they're not a, exactly a fast team by any means, uh, but they are a team that can play a little bit slower. Uh, and I think their ability to turn the ball over against teams is going to be something that's very effective against a team like St. Mary's. Now, granted, here's the problem with picking VCU. VCU, they got a decent pull in terms of volatility in their side of the bracket. I don't think St. Mary's is uh, they're, you know, the, the, the greatest competition they're going to face, but they're a decent rebounding team and VCU is not uh stellar at rebounding the basketball on either side. Uh, and then if VCU does end up winning the game, they go and play Connecticut and Connecticut, one of the absolute best rebounding teams in the country. Um, but that's my biggest hurdle. If VCU can beat Connecticut, in my opinion, I think they go on to advance all the way. I think they, I th honestly, I think that's their toughest competition in this in this entire side of the bracket, to be honest with you. I think VCU against Connecticut, just because of the matchup, if VCU is able to get over that hump, I think they could make it all the way to the last four teams. I think uh, within my bracket, I have Gonzaga getting to the final eight teams. I think VCU is good enough defensively to slow Gonzaga down, uh, at least enough for them to stay toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And I think VCU, I think Kansas, who's the one seed in this side of the bracket, I think Kansas is a little overrated. And I think VCU would be able to slow down Kansas as well. Um, and then against Gonzaga, Gonzaga's a bad, a bad defensive team. And I think if VCU is able to slow down uh, their offense, then I think, you know, being ha having to play in a defensive game like that, it definitely leans more in VCU's favor. And in that situation, I think VCU can win and go on to the, uh, the last four. I think they can make it all the way there. Now, I haven't picked that yet because I'm still trying to convince myself of that. Uh, I think Gonzaga probably ekes that one out, but I think VCU, that's the most plausible situation of any of the high seeds, in my opinion, getting to the, uh, the, the, the last four, if you will, the, the, the final, I can't say final, Ugh. um, the last four teams. I think that's their, the, the best option is VCU, in my opinion, with all the matchups that they have around them. Uh, UCLA, who is the two seed in this side of the bracket, 
They're very injury hurt right now. They have a lot of issues in terms of injury. Uh, Jalen Clark is out for the tournament. Uh, and then Adam Bona, who's uh, who's uh, got hurt during the Pac-12 tournament on Friday. We'll see where he's at. He's also plays for UCLA. Uh, but Jalen Clark losing him, huge loss for UCLA. I think they got too many injury issues to make a push for uh, the for the for the last four, I think they could actually they could actually lose to Boise State if we really want to get down to the nitty and gritty. I think if UCLA gets out of the first round, if Boise State gets out of the first round, I think Boise State could crawl could uh, could cause UCLA some problems. But I have UCLA moving on regardless, and then losing to Gonzaga in that uh, in that last eight. So those are my big upset teams. Uh, I have it written down here as my 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 picks for the last four teams are as follows: Arizona, Purdue. Texas and then either UConn or VCU. I didn't I didn't pick one because it's hard for me to pick. I really don't know. I think I, I want to lean more towards VCU just because I think that would be a fun story. Uh VCU's done it before when they had Shaka Smart as their head coach not too long ago. I think it was probably closer to 10 years ago now. Wow, has it really been that long? Uh Shaka Smart and VCU went all the way to the last four, they nearly got into the national championship game, but uh, they didn't make it, obviously. So, the, I mean, at the very least, the school has the experience to get to the last four. But I think um, UConn may be a little too, maybe might, might be a little too much, um, or excuse me, VCU or UConn, whoever wh- whoever it is, I think they might be too much. This, the second chance points that UConn is able to create uh, will cause problems, I think, for a team like Gonzaga as well. Um, but if Gonzaga is taking on a VCU, I might lean a little bit more into VCU's territory just because of how effective VCU is defensively. Uh, but the thing is, they'll have to really turn on their offense. Uh, for VCU will really have to turn on their offense, which they have done the past basically month. I mean, their offensive efficiency has been a lot better over the last few months. So, uh, uh, yeah, I guess over the last month and a half, essentially. Um, but we'll see. That th- Those are my picks right now. Those are my upset picks. You can see my entire bracket on ShareToMedia.com. On the contest page, Hoops Hysteria. Still going through it a little bit. The games don't start till, was it Thursday, right? I think Thursday or Friday, one of the two. Uh, and I'll have my final bracket submitted by then. But, you know, th- those are my favorites. I think VCU has a real, real chance with their matchups that they have, as well as Drake. I mean, Drake has a very, a very good chance as well. But Texas being in my scenario, if Texas is their, uh, their um, eight, their, their final eight team, if you will, their last eight team that they have to take on. Uh, then I don't love their chances in that game. But if it's not Texas, then I think Drake has very much a chance to get to uh, the last four as well. But VCU matches up pretty decently well with everybody else around them except for UConn. UConn could cause some trouble, especially on the offensive glass. If UConn's just jacking up shots and basically getting every offensive rebound that they want, then VCU could have some problems on their hand. And that is essentially what UConn does. UConn is a fantastic, fantastic. I think they're one of the top three rebounding teams over the last two months in the entire country. So, that could cause problems for VCU, um, but we'll have to see. Maybe VCU doesn't even win against St. Mary's, and then this whole thing. I mean, I love hyping it up and then watching it all crash and burn after basically the first two or three games of the tournament. That's one of my favorite things, you know? You just hype yourself up, hype yourself up, hype yourself up, and then it all comes down crashing and burning. Here's the thing. Also, if you want a betting tip, by the way, uh, I've read I read a couple places that if you were to bet solely on underdogs on this tournament, I think you like you you have a very like plus money wise like profit a decent amount of money uh, from just betting the underdogs in these matchups. Just because a lot of the, I mean it could bet a little bit differently this year because it does seem like some of the matchups are a little bit more um, skewed towards. Uh, matchup advantage, obviously, and then the injuries come into situ- come into concern as well for a lot of these teams, uh, like the Miamis and uh, like the Houston's and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, it might be a little bit different this year, but hey, if you want to throw them a little bit of money down on a couple of the couple of the underdogs, you might cash out relatively well uh, based on a lot of the uh, a lot of the the articles that I've read on the underdogs that we've had the past whatever five years or so uh, and how volatile this tournament has become until up until. You know the final eight, and then the final, or the the last four. Excuse me. Um, that's when it really becomes, you know, a lot more chalky at that point. It's not like we have a, we haven't had, you know, VCU. We've had VCU in that part of the tournament. We've had Butler in that part of the tournament, but they've never won. It's been pretty chalky all the way to the championship game, and then the championships usually pretty chalky, chalky at that point. So, but that's a tournament. It starts here in two days, man. It's the best. It is the best tournament in the world. It is my favorite thing to watch. Uh, one of my favorite things to watch and it's going on right in the middle of the WBC too. And the WBC has been a blast so far. 
Uh, WBC has been just, uh, it's so it's so much fun to watch the players get, I mean, it's March. I mean, it's literally March, spring training. Uh, and we're watching players on these teams really uh, playing like it's a playoff game and get pumped like it's a playoff game, as well as the fans. The fans have been a blast. If you weren't watching any of the tournament in the in, when they were in Chinese Taipei, Taiwan, uh, then you were missing out because they were, I, I think they were down like, I want to say it was like nine to two or like 10 to two to Cuba or something like that. in their final game of this in their final game of the pool play. And that team that, that, that Taiwan stadium, the Chinese Taipei fans were as loud as anybody else in the entire, in the entire tournament in terms of fans. And it was such a blast to watch. They love their baseball and you're really getting an idea of what baseball means to a lot of other parts of the country. You're just watching like the Puerto Rican fans, the Cuban fans, the Mexican fans, when they were I'm beat all the way up, they beat up, the U.S. I mean, you could tell how much it really means uh, to a lot of these fans. And U.S. maybe not so much. I mean, honestly, it is it's spring ball for a lot of these guys, obviously. So they're still trying to kick it into gear. I think a little bit for a lot of the U.S. team. Uh, and you know, at this point in the season, and they're not really thinking. I this is entirely conjecture. Um, I don't know how much they're really thinking about playing playoff baseball at this point in the season. Obviously, so it might be a little bit of a difference for some of these guys. And I think it just means more for a lot of the international, the international uh, uh, fans and stuff like that, just because, you know, they can't, I I don't want to say they can't relate too much to uh, club baseball in, in uh, the United States, obviously, but you know, a lot of these countries have their own leagues and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily the same. This is their world cup, if you will, for a lot of these countries. And in the U S it's almost like it's weird because it kind of flips it on its head. It might be the only sport where, I mean, I, you know, this is conjecture, like I said, but it might be the only sport where the club outcome for your team is more important in our eyes than where we end up in the WBC. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? So like in basketball, if we win a gold medal, then, you know, whoop de do. Of course you should have done that. No, duh. Uh, but if my my team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, win a championship, I'm going out of my mind. I mean, I'm running up and down the street with my shirt off, waving it above my head. If they win a gold, if they win a gold medal in the in the Olympics, and it's like, okay, whatever. I mean, yeah, you should have. But then, granted, on the flip side, if they go on and lose in the gold medal match, they get the silver medal. I'm like, this is a disgrace. This is a disgrace to basketball. These guys are supposed to be the best in the world. What is going? It's revenge time, and that's kind of that, that was kind of the vibe I got from the U.S. and how I was feeling after uh, Mexico stomped the U.S. on Sunday. I was like, "This is a disgrace. This is supposed to be our game. You know, we should go undefeated, ten run rule, all of these dudes," which is completely, you know, not true. A lot of these teams are very good, um, but yeah, I just find it interesting that a lot of the the club aspects of the teams that we root for is maybe a little bit more. We're more into that uh, a little bit more than we are country for certain sports i guess if that makes sense so soccer it's country all the way like we don't know a lot of us don't really care about clubs entirely mainly because a lot of the good clubs are across the or across the pond obviously um but you know it's all about country in that sense but when it comes to any of our four major sports it's like and the other four major sports that we have it's very much club you know we're we're choosing our our favorite team over the u.s just in terms of what to watch uh, I'd rather watch the Red Sox than the U.S. WBC team, if that makes sense. I don't, I don't know why that is. Uh, maybe it's just because it's more of a, I don't want to say stiffer competition. Well, I mean, sure, stiffer competition. Sure, I guess. Um, maybe it's more the celebration of longevity because it's, you know, six-month season instead of uh, two weeks or a week and a half or whatever that you're watching the WBC. Uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting, I noticed that a little bit more during uh, when I was watching the game. I was like, if the Red Sox went into won the World Series, would I be more excited for that or the U.S. winning the WBC? Definitely the Red Sox, in my opinion. I would definitely prefer the Red Sox win the World Series than the U.S. win the WBC. Don't know why that is. No idea. But that's just how it is, I guess. I, I really could not could not put a finger on why I'd rather uh, I'd rather have that scenario. But I just thought that was an interesting thing uh, to to uh, point out to myself and then make a note of it to talk about on the podcast. The other thing I want to talk about on the podcast really quick, actually speaking of WBC, we got to talk about uniforms really quick. Okay. Um, and this brings on a broader discussion, I think to, to have for baseball uniforms in general, 
uh, especially MLB uniforms and MLB, MLB uniforms and logos, to be honest with you, because I think we have a legitimate decision about how bad MLB logos and MLB uh, MLB uniforms have kind of gotten. I mean, it's kind of taken a little bit more of a turn, but it mainly like the, the, the conversation started in my head. I mean, it actually started a long time ago when I started looking at a lot of like uh, baseball hats that you can get for certain teams and the logos that they have on it. But, you know, it kind of came to an, a, a top, uh, an absolute capitulance when I saw the Great Britain's, uh, Great Britain's WBC team. Come on, man. If you haven't seen Great Britain's team jersey or, uh, yeah, their, their jersey for their team. Granted, they're not the most well-funded team in the WBC, obviously. It's Great Britain. It's not like they love baseball over there as much as everybody else. So, you know, fair enough. I understand that part of it, but still, I mean, you could have done a little bit better than, you know, the aerial font, just Great Britain over the top. Think of all the the great, fantastic, just so much smarter logos you can create on baseball uniforms and just baseball hats in general because it's Great Britain. You could do a royal a play on the fact that there's royalty over there. I think they're called the Lions or something like that, whatever they're called. There's just so many different things that they could have done, and it's just GB Great Britain on the front, and it's just literally written on Times New Roman, super small on the front of their jersey. And I think a lot of people, a lot of teams in the MLB actually, suffer more in this, to be honest with you, as well, than uh, I think we like to admit, to be honest with you. Uh, there are a lot of bad logos in the MLB, in my opinion, especially on the hats. The hats have really bad logos. There are some decent team like primary logos that I think that have enough creativity that I can, you know, I can appreciate them. Like the the Milwaukee Brewers one, since they changed it, uh, is one of my favorites. The, the the glove with the baseball in it and it makes an MB. The glove makes an MB. Fantastic logo. A terrific logo. I love that logo. I think it's one of the best in sports, to be honest with you. I think they have one of the best logos in sports, and I love the fact that they put that on on the hats as well. I think that is a genius logo. I think it's one of my favorite logos, to be honest with you. I think it's the best logo in the MLB. But the rest of them, a lot of them are very boring, to be honest with you. A lot of them are very boring. We'll get into the hat logos here in a second, uh, but a lot of them are really boring. Like the like I get it, the Cubs have a decent logo because it's, I mean, historic. Everybody knows the Cubs logo, the White Sox, the same thing. You can't change that logo just because it's so iconic. Uh, but the Rockies, Rockies, just regular primary logo, garbage, just tear. It's a CNR. There's no creativity to it. Same thing with the Tigers. Granted, another historic logo. I don't know how much you can really change that logo. It's a good logo, sure, I, just for the historic history of it. But again, it's just a super creative D. Like, there's really not a lot there. Same thing with the Angels. It's an A with a halo. Like, we can do better than that. I mean, we can do better than that when it comes to to logos. The twin, the Minnesota Twins. Don't get me started with the Twins. Don't get me started with the Twins. Okay, the Reds and the Twins. I don't know who came up with it first. They have the same C. They have the same C in their logo. Who thought that was a good idea? I don't know who came up with the first. Whoever came up with the second, you're a copycat, and you didn't even copy the best part of a logo, okay? The t- the Twins logo, just a TC for Twin Cities, okay? If I'm I'm explaining that to you, it's Twin Cities, great. I'm glad you have that. They have that super cool, that super, 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 super cool mural in center field for the Twins, uh, at, at the target field for the Twins, and I wish they put that on the hat. I want that on the hat, not the TC. Who cares about the TC? I don't care. With the same same C logo as the Reds. Who cares? Make it the cool logo in center field. I mean, there's so many better logos. The Pirates. Oh, my God. They had the Jolly Rod or the, the Pirate with the high patch. Such a cool logo. And you know what it is now? Just P. It's a P. That's all it is. Nothing special about it. It just looks like a P with some interesting font. There's nothing cool about the Pirates logo. That one probably frustrates me the most because they went from a super cool logo with like the the Pirate with the eye patch and he has the bandana on and stuff like that. Such a cool logo. But now it's just a P. It's so bad now. It's such a dumb, stupid looking logo. And they have the same thing on the hats. They don't have, they don't change it at all for the hats either. It's just a, it's just a P. It's just not interesting. It's not creative at all. Same with the Padres. Padres, not a good logo either. SD. Very intriguing, very interesting San Diego while in SD. One of the favorite, one of the best teams in the game right now in terms of what they have and what they've put together and the least creative logo that they could have possibly done. An SD intersecting, very creative. I'm sure they saw they saw the Yankees. Is it is this because everybody saw the Yankees and they were like, we just need to be like the Yankees? Like when they started doing the cross-section of logos, why did we start doing that? I, I just don't, I hate it. I think it's so, it's like the easiest 
thing of saying, yeah, we're creative. Like it's just the, the very baseline of trying to say that, yeah, we're super creative. Actually look at this uh, logo that we made. It's just like an S and a D intersecting. They could do, they have like the alternate Padre logo that they could do. They could put on hats. I wish that was their primary logo. It's like a Padre, a Catholic Padre swinging a baseball bat. And he's got his sandals on. He's got his hair cut all weird. That's a fantastic logo for the San Diego Padres. I love that logo. I think that's a fan, a perfect logo for that team. But instead, you know what they do? SD. That's all it is. It's so dumb. Giants. I mean, we can let them off a hook, off the hook a little bit. Sure. It's fine. It's okay. I guess their logo, it's a baseball with the word giants in front of it. Get it. It's historic. It's a, it's a logo that a lot of people know, uh, and is in his historic, uh, just because of what it is, but not the most creative thing in the world. Don't get me started with the Rays. The Rays one is stupid. Okay. The Rays one used to be really good when they had the actual Tampa Bay devil Rays and it was an actual Ray. Great logo. Great logo. It wasn't super simple. It just spells out Rays now. And then, you know, it, it just goes on and on from there. There are a couple decent ones. I think the blue Jays one is very good with the maple leaf in the, in the picture of the blue Jay. Good logo. Cardinals, good logo. A, 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 a cardinal on top of a bat. He's landing on the bat like it's a branch looking back at you. Great logo. Great Cardinals logo. Phillies, great logo. A uh, Liberty Bell in the background with the crack. And it has the Phillies, obviously. Great logo. Fantastic logo for them. Mets for the Metropolitans. In the background, there's the city. Great logo. Fantastic logo. Yankees, I mean, classic. Sure. You know, and it, probably not the greatest logo as it ages in my opinion i don't know how much it really i i don't know it's just a kind of a weird logo in today's world i guess is how i would put it um and then you know i talked about the cubs a little bit already braves decent logo not my favorite logo in the world but i still think it's relatively decent diamondbacks i mean that one's okay because they got creative with the a i get it just an a but it's got the diamondback uh it's got like the diamondback coloring on it and stuff like that. And then the middle are the fangs that create the actual intersection of the A. I think that's cool. That's creative. A. that's a very creative way to make the A on your diamondback. A good logo. Baltimore Orioles, the Oriole just looking back at you smiling. Good logo with the, with the, with the hat on, uh, you know, and it goes on from here. The guardians, not my favorite logo in the world, but I understand tough circumstances, not easy to make that logo. I get it. Good logo. Now here's the difference though. A lot of team logos like that are pretty good for the most part. I think they're, you know, the primary logos for those are are fine. Like most, for the most part, they're pretty good. But then you get into the hats and the hats are where I have a big issue, to be honest with you. The biggest issue, because they go from a lot of these teams go from decently creative logos, like primary logos that they have to just garbage on their hats that they're forcing their players to wear. A lot of them are terrible. Angels, I mean, Angels is still the same logo, and I already said, bad logo. Uh, the Astros, same thing, not a great logo. Even though it has the star and the H, it's okay, I guess, but it's not a great logo. Don't get me started with the A's, okay? The A's, they have their little badge. You know what they they resort it to in uh, on their hat? It's just an A with an apostrophe S. Real creative, guys. We'll cr- we'll cr- who's running the creative group over there for Oakland? Real creative. At least the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. They got the they got the bird in in the in the in the in the maple leaf up there. I appreciate that. That's a good logo. Braves. What are you doing? It's just an A. There's so many A's in this league. Why are we just doing A again? Why did you just resort to making it an A again? Come on. Brewers, the absolute spotlight of this. They're they're the favorite team in my opinion. They took their primary logo and they put it on a hat. Thank you, Brewers. You actually get it. That is what you want to see. The Royals, they just, they, they said, screw the crown, screw the little patch. We're just going to make it a KC. Tampa Bay, most boring one. I absolutely despise the T. It's literally just a TB with the B a little bit lower than the T. And they're the Rays. You could make a literal, you're based on an animal. Just make it the animal and put it on the hat. Like, what are we doing here? Just make it interesting. It's so bad, man. A lot of these are so so bad. Washington, another one. The Nationals, their primary hat is just a W. They already have a really good hat on hand that they could use for every game. That I wish they did use for every game. It's the W with the Capitol in the back, or with like the Capitol building in the background, where you can. It's just the outline of the Capitol building. You can see it in the hat, and it's perfect. It's a fantastic hat. It's a two tone hat. It's one of my favorite hats in the league, and they resort to just using the W hat. I don't understand why we're doing this with baseball we live in we live in a world today where there are so many creative hockey out logos hockey primary logos and stuff like that that's that's those are the teams that you should be looking at if you're the mlb you really want to you want to bring in the cool kids you want to bring in the cool hats and you know the the kids that want to look at your stuff make cooler logos man than the ones that you're putting on the hats they are dreadful i'll give you a couple of the the hats that i actually like 
Seattle, decent hat. Okay, they still have the S, but they have the Mariner logo. It looks like a compass in the middle. Decent hat. I'll give them the props for that. Marlins, great logo on the hat. Uh, the M, the Marlins kind of jumping up behind it. Love that logo on the hat. The Orioles, same thing as the Brewers. They just took the logo they're from their primary logo, put it on a hat, make it a two-tone ca- two cap. Great logo. Dodgers, I'll give you some sway because you're the Dodgers. A classic logo. Can't go do anything wrong with that logo, obviously. That's the logo you're going to pick. You're going to put that on the hat because it is it is a uh, a logo that every single person on planet Earth knows, even if they don't watch bas- or baseball. That's an L.A. Dodgers hat, obviously. Red Sox, that's they're on my they're on my crap list as well. Okay, that's my favorite team. But why are we just putting a B on the hat? Okay, I get it's Boston. I'm not stupid. I know it's Boston because I'm watching you. I'm I'm a baseball fan. I'm watching the Red Sox. Make it the Sox. Just put the Sox, the Red Sox, on the hat. It did. Then I got your name too. It's the Red Sox. I get it. There's the hat. Red Sox hat. Oh, like what are we doing here? Like that's just. I, can you tell I have very strong opinions about this? Okay, that's that's all I wanted to bring up. Okay, I just think the the baseball is way behind when it comes to logos. They are all, for the most part, so so boring. There are way too many boring logos in baseball. I think there are a couple that do it well. Shout out the Brewers. The Brewers have the best one in my opinion. I think the Brewers have arguably the best logo in all sports. It's simplistic, but it also gets the point across. They're the MB uh, with the glove and the baseball. Fantastic logo. One of my favorite rebrands that any baseball, any team has done in the past 15 years was when the Milwaukee Brewers decided to make that their primary logo. They got away from like the, the baseball with the, um, what's the thing that you brew? The, the, I just had it. I just remembered it. It was the, uh, the, the Brewers they had, you know what I'm talking about, all right? Hops. It's the hops, the barley, that thing. The, you know what I'm talking about, the logo. I think they went, when they rebranded, they did such a good job. I think it was such a good rebranding for them, and I think it looks so much better today. But there are so many other so many, so many many other teams that need to do that. Not necessarily any of the color changes or anything like that, but just change the logos on the hat, make them more up-to-date, make them more current, make them more creative in general. So there's so many just so many boring, boring logos. Now, if you showed a pirate's hat and then their primary logo to any other random person on the street that didn't necessarily watch baseball, they would have no idea what that team is. It's just a P there's no inclination that they're the pirates. It's just a P and that goes for a lot of these teams. Unfortunately, if you saw anybody walking around, if uh, you know, if any other person didn't necessarily know about baseball or anything like that, you look at their, you look at the logo on the hat. Other than like the Yankees and the Dodgers, they would not be able to know what team or what uh, the name of that team is, just because of how boring these logos are. It's it's like they made it strictly for baseball players and baseball and people that watch baseball to know what team that is, and that's so frustrating. <laughs> like you're trying to bring in people, new people to watch the game, give them something to look at on the hat. That's like okay, I know who that is. It's the same. It goes for basically all of these. Uh, other than, you know, the Brewers, who I think did a fantastic job. It's creative. Uh, I, not a lot of people would be able to guess it, per se, obviously. But it's enough there to be like, oh, okay, I get it now. I see. You know, I see why they did the MB with the glove. Same with the Orioles. It's a literal bird. Twins as well. Bird with the can- or with the with the maple leaf. It's enough there to get the uh, be like, oh, okay, I get it. That makes sense. And, you know, the TC for the Twins, you could make that same argument, but I just want more creativity. I want it to be a little bit more creative than that. You know what I mean? Oh, man, that was a rant, huh? We love we love uniform talk over here at the Weekend Sports Rep podcast. It's just, you know, I, I wish there was just more creativity in the uh, in the world of baseball, in the in the in the primary logos and the hat logos and everything like that. I just wish there was more creativity to it than there is currently in uh, in the league, in, in the in the league that we live in right now and the league that we watch right now. I just think there was. Wish there was more creativity to it, but here we are. Yeah, I can't change that. I can't change it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try my dangness. You know, I'm going to call Rob Manfred. I'm going to say, hey, sir, let's think about some more creative logos here, huh? Let's 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 get on the train here. Start talking about some some more creative logos, please. I wish that's what I wish it was that easy. He's not going to pick up my phone calls. I wish I wish I could call the commissioner's office right now, but uh, I can't. Unfortunately, I, I you know, I got a thing going on. You know, I, I'll talk to him later. Uh, all right. Where does that put us? I think, is that the end of the show? That might be the end of the show, to be honest with you. I don't, I, we're already at 56 minutes. I think that might be at the end of the show. Yeah, we're going to, I was going to talk a little bit about free agency and football, but well, let's wait a little bit because I am I got a feeling Aaron Rodgers is, uh, he's pretty close. He's going to be making a decision. I don't want to be talking about free agency and then Aaron Rodgers make his decision right after I put this out and then have nothing on, on topic about Aaron Rodgers picking the Jets or whoever he picks. So 
you know, I, I think we'll hold off on the NFL free agency for just a little bit. But uh, yeah, you got uh, NCAA tournament stuff and then me ranting about uniforms for however long that was. That was probably maybe a little bit too long. 20 minutes, whatever. I don't care. You know, I love you guys. I appreciate you listening. But, you know, I got to rant about some uniforms every now and again. OK, sometimes they just make me angry. And for a game that I love so much, such as baseball, I wish I wish there was more of an effort to make them better. You know what I mean? I just wish there was a, a better effort to make good logos in baseball. And a lot of them had good logos too, which is the disappointing part. Like the pirates, they had a great logo. They still hang the flag of the one with the previous logo. Whenever they win, when they hang the Jolly Rogers, literal that it's literally that logo that they're using to hang the Jolly Rogers. It's not the P in center field that they're hanging. It's stupid. So dumb. Go back to the pirates, man. Go back to the pirate pirates, please. All right. I'm done ranting. I'm done ranting. I'm foaming at the mouth here, all right? We're done talking about it. I think that's going to wrap up our show, to be honest with you. Uh, I want to thank you very much for tuning in, obviously. I want to thank Jack and Kathleen Wood, 307 Real Estate, for sponsoring the show. Uh, yeah, they're sponsored. You heard their ad earlier in the show. I made that ad. It was fantastic. I loved every second of doing the ad, and I love them for sponsoring the show, and I appreciate them. If you got real estate needs, please go check out Jack and Kathleen Wood. Tell them I sent you there, and, uh, you know, that, that would be great. A little referral token, if you will. Uh, but for now, if you're listening to this podcast anywhere, you remember to listen to it anywhere again. Tell your friends you can listen to it anywhere. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, wherever. Uh, Google Podcasts. And the list goes on and on. Pandora, I guess, apparently. The list goes on and on. Remember to leave a five-star rating as well. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, and then uh, remember to follow the show as well. I post every Tuesday. Could have a, you know, if something comes up, might be a Wednesday or whatever. Might miss a week or something like that. For the most part. Post it on Tuesdays in the afternoon, evening-ish. And, uh, yeah, just make sure you stay tuned. And uh, for next week as well, maybe Aaron Rodgers will sign to a new team this time next week. Hopefully he does because, you know, it's getting a little old. Let's let's get it going here. When Then this this trade should have been figured out by now. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been the Weekend Sports Rep Podcast, and I have been your host, James Timberlake.